It's the New Mercury Podcast, and here's your host, Kyle A. Lohmeyer. Welcome back to the New Mercury Podcast. I am your host, Kyle A. Lohmeyer, and I am the proprietor of and sole original content provider to the NewMercury.com. So Gallup released the results of polling it conducted for several days in early November, before and just after the midterm elections, and that polling asked Americans to identify the biggest problems facing the country. Not all that surprisingly, illegal immigration was tops on the list, up several points from a similar poll conducted in October. Now, it is important to take these sorts of poll results with a massive grain of salt. I mean, by virtue of how they're conducted, it's a pretty big leap of faith to view any poll as being a really good representation of the entire nation's mood as a whole. More than anything, in my humble opinion anyway, these polls measure how well the mainstream media is doing at shaping the entire reality that most Americans experience. As networks have devoted countless hours to the migrant caravan now stalled in Tijuana, and immigration generally, it is appropriate, then, that most Americans have come to see this as the biggest problem facing the USA. Back in October, the never-ending saga of the Russiagate fairy tale and non-stop scrutiny of everyone Trump has ever met had the intended effect of making dissatisfaction with government-slash-poor leadership the number one problem Americans identified. In the ramp-up to the midterms, the media's focus shifted to immigration, and the marionette-like American electorate has now been convinced that the potential influx of brownish people is the biggest problem we face as a nation. Of course, the matter is presented to the people a bit differently depending on which home team's cable network you're watching. On CNN and MSNPC, it's all about how racist, cruel, and evil Trump is for not letting everyone in and giving them welfare. Over on Faux News... Several thousand poor, starving, and unarmed asylum seekers is an invasion. Of course, both camps are wrong in their own ways, but I do really love the hyperbole on the right. Usually it's the left that relies on hyperbole to rile up the puppets. In this case, the left is just expressing their typical economic illiteracy. I mean, and that's just every day. That's every time Bernie Sanders or Focahontas or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez opens their mouths. But the frantic, paranoid, xenophobic, hyperbolic way faux news and other conservative outlets are describing the asylum seekers specifically as an invasion is really the funniest part of this whole thing for me. An invasion? Who knows? And what weapons are these invaders carrying? Well, none. They don't have guns. They don't have artillery cover. They don't have air support. They're not even rowing longships and brandishing swords. Hell, at least they were wielding Rickenbackers and Gibsons, Hoffners, Gretches, and Epiphones when the Beatles led the British invasion ashore here in the early 60s. I haven't seen a single six-string even among the migrants in the news footage. An invasion. It's really become a very sad fixation in this nation to apply the heaviest-duty words where they simply don't apply, thus diminishing their weight and impact. Today, if you're a typical college sophomore, everything is fascist. McDonald's ordering kiosks? Fascist. Probably racist, too. Everything is racist. And literal rape. And both sides are guilty of it, too, as we see with several thousand drug war refugees seeking asylum in the USA being called an invasion by the right. So, if you're the typical American and, and you've got one side telling you that we need to welcome the refugees and the other saying that we should use more tear gas on them and make them go away, which one is correct? Who do you believe? Well, of course, most Americans already have their minds made up, or more accurately, have had their minds made up for them by whichever networks diddle their confirmation bias most effectively. Those inclined to think for themselves on matters don't have much in the way of sources to turn to if they want an unbiased look at the issue. Among the ragtag mishmash of disaffected souls known as libertarians, there's a pretty big rift 
between two camps on the issue of immigration. Largely, it's a debate on order of operations, because both camps do tend to agree that the entire welfare system of the United States needs to be eliminated, or at least vastly overhauled and pared back. One side says that welfare reform slash elimination needs to happen first, then, by all means, let whoever wants in, in. We call that side border-tarians. They're not really libertarian any more than the self-styled pro-life libertarians are. The other side remembers its philosophical grounding and the fact that these brownish asylum seekers are human beings. And they say, let them in, let them work, we'll figure it out from there. The welfare system is broken anyway and the Democrats won't ever let anyone fix it. So waiting for it to be fixed before loosening immigration restrictions is just disingenuous. So objectively, the morally correct answer is the latter of the two I just described. These asylum seekers are human beings. They're not pests, and they certainly are not invaders. The government of the United States' own policies are why there's a caravan of migrants marooned on the southern border to begin with. These poor souls are fleeing drug wars in their native countries. The wars are fought between gangs competing to sell cocaine to Americans, okay? The domestic El Salvadorian cocaine market is only so big. America... America is the land of rock stars and stockbrokers and professional golfers. Americans love their yay. Basic economics dictates, then, that anywhere there is a demand, someone will try to fill it. Of course, the illegality of cocaine trafficking distorts the market as it is forced underground, and the sort of violence we see in many Central American nations is the inevitable result. So in the end, the quote-unquote crisis of migrant asylum seekers flocking to the USA is a problem our own government created all by itself. As such, the only way to fix the problem is to undo the ruinous government policies that created it to begin with. But of course, legalizing cocaine would harm the profits of Big Pharma, and they've been hard at work for decades synthesizing the stuff and pumping it into the school kids who aren't taking their indoctrination quietly enough. Plus, the giant private prison companies rely on customers created by cocaine's illegality, particularly in crack form. So obviously the USA isn't going to legalize cocaine any sooner than it's going to reform the system of keeping poor people voting Democrat by keeping poor people poor, a.k.a. welfare. So our government creates a migrant crisis and is now struggling to find a way to not really solve it, but just make it go away. Water cannons and tear gas seem to be the methods the government is using now. And just who are they protecting? Just, just who are they keeping safe? For whose benefit is this being done? Not mine, not yours either even if you've been duped into believing that these asylum seekers are some sort of a threat to the nation. And there are plenty of people here who've been so duped. Every other day I see it on my Facebook news feed, some racist dweeb posting a cherry-picked story about some illegal alien murdering someone. Usually the victim is a woman, and there is a sexual assault involved too, and this gives it just an even more visceral impact for the intended conservative male audience. They're raping our women, exclaims the cellar-dwelling incel who can't convince anyone to make white babies with them works every time. As if the victim would be less raped or less dead if her attacker had been a native-born American, as is always more likely to be the case anyway. Now, these racist xenophobes see statistical anomalies as proof of is proof confirming their racist xenophobia. The fact is, and remains, that illegal immigration has been a massive part of the American agricultural industry for eons. Rounding up and deporting these migrant farmhands is causing headaches for farmers all across the country who now have no one to harvest fields that they've planted. Americans aren't taking those jobs. Can you just try to imagine? Just try it. Try to picture in your mind some Gen Zer out there in a field harvesting lettuce. No way in hell. Especially not if they're paid the fair market value for their labor, which is less than the arbitrary and asinine minimum wage. And no, that's not farmers 
being racist and exploiting the labor of illegal aliens, okay? That's the market determining the actual value of a given sort of labor absent government interference. Well, okay, maybe not so much in the absence of government interference as it is indifference to that interference. So, in reality, our nation and our economy actually needs to have these people doing those jobs for the pay rates they get. We are doing ourselves real, measurable harm in rounding up and deporting these people. We're doing real, measurable harm to real people by leaving them stranded on the other side of the fence. No, our welfare system cannot handle thousands of new people on the two side of the equation. But then, we can't handle the burden entitlement programs place on productive people, period, at all, to begin with. Yes, the welfare system is totally broken. So too is the immigration system. Hell, the existence of government to begin with is evidence of a broken society. Why the perceived need, then, to take all that out on a bunch of people our own government's policies brought here? And in the end, this perceived problem of inbound migrants is only an issue at all because we, for some odd reason, insist on having a government and being a nation-state. Nation-states have borders, and they have governments to decide what those borders are and how to secure them. If the USA had already reached the acme of human societal evolution and we were a stateless realm of hundreds of thousands of private enclaves, there would be no immigration crisis to worry about. Of course people all over the world would, want to be, would be flocking to such a place, to Ancapistan. If given a choice between living in a society where all human interactions were voluntary or living in a society where most important interactions are based entirely upon coercion, many people would choose the former. Many. Probably not most. Not right now today with the rampant Stockholm syndrome plaguing this nation and making people believe that they need to be ruled. But of course, we don't live in Ancapistan. We live in the USA, and the USA most certainly has a government. Lots of government. And all any government does is create problems for its subjects and then endeavors to solve them by creating more and different problems for its subjects. By being a nation-state, the government has given itself the problem of having national borders, and it tells us subjects that those borders need to be defended. Where the line on the map was arbitrarily drawn needs to be enforced against humans by humans. Then the government tells us cocaine is dangerous and makes it illegal thus creating the problem of illegal drug use, which the government then sought to solve by locking more people into cages for longer periods of time. This, of course, had no effect on how much cocaine Americans want to snort, and so the nations where the plant from which it is derived grows best stepped up to supply it. Of course, that activity is illegal, and therefore became the province of criminal gangs, who now constantly wage war on one another in an effort to control as much of the export market to the USA as possible. And, naturally, innocent people get caught in the crossfire and try to leave. So they come here, and they run into the border that the government insists it needs to enforce, along with its prohibitions on cocaine. The government is the whole problem. The government is always the biggest problem any of us has. But I do love and appreciate the mental gymnastics displayed whenever someone tries to rationalize leaving people to suffer on the other side of an arbitrary line, when we could just let them in and let them find a job and start making a life for themselves. What? You don't lock your front door? I'm asked fairly regularly by conservative xenophobes. And I tell them that I do, of course, lock my front door. My home is my private property. My front door is an 80 by 36 inch portal leading into my lair. How this relates to trying to wall off thousands of miles of border only makes sense to the average faux news viewer. We aren't the government. We aren't the state. And it is the state that has borders. The only borders that objectively matter are the boundaries of private property. If someone has private property that abuts this arbitrary border and they don't want trespassers traipsing through, that's one thing. That's understandable. 
that the federal government owns a lot of federal land is just another problem attendant to having a government to begin with. Now this armed gang needs to steal from us all so that it can pay to secure the border it insists on having and the federal land that it has stolen from the rest of us. And because of its expert use of mainstream media manipulation, the government has now convinced millions of Americans that they, in fact, want the government to do just that. It's working so well, in fact, that now a full 21% of Americans cited illegal immigration as the number one problem facing the USA, more than any other single issue. And so now the government will carry on, quote, fixing the problem it itself created as if it has a mandate from the people to do so. This will give whatever monstrous stuff the government does to people an air of legitimacy. That's important. And that's just how it goes, because as always... As it was a century ago, the whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed, and hence clamorous to be led to safety, by an endless series of hobgoblins, most of them imaginary. Henry Louis Mencken was correct when he wrote that passage in his work, The Defense of Women, originally published in 1922. If anything, it's even more true now. And in the intervening near century since Mencken wrote that, the government has gotten much, much better at creating alarming hobgoblins. It has become remarkably adept at using the modern media in its 24-hour news cycle to keep the populace focused on the exact hobgoblin it wants the people to be afraid of or mad at most at any given time. And that is really what the most recent Gallup poll is measuring. Not what Americans think the biggest problem facing the nation is, but as I said, how effective the government's propaganda is, how scary its hobgoblins are. The fact that Dissatisfaction with government-slash-poor leadership is second, with 18% of Americans identifying it as the top problem, is only a measure of how well CNN and MSNPC are doing at convincing liberals that Trump is the problem. I'm betting those numbers were very similar when Obama was in office, and that data point was a measure of how well faux news was doing bashing Obama. Nowhere on the list of top problems that Americans identified it to Gallup was, quote, the existence of government itself, unquote. But then, I, I wasn't polled. I never am, really. Ironically, however, the list was full up with other problems that the government itself created. 11% of Americans identified healthcare as the top problem, making it third on the list. Of course, healthcare wasn't a problem at all until after the 1960s when government created Medicare and Medicaid, and with that came a whole raft of new regulations and nonsense that had the effect of driving up the cost of healthcare. 9% of Americans said unifying the country is the top priority, but then the government needs to keep us distracted and fighting each other, which is the entire reason for this media-fueled pro-wrestling show that is politics. A unified country would be the government's biggest nightmare. If we weren't so busy despising one another because we've been told to, we'd soon enough figure out that the government is the only problem we really have, and then we'd turn on it. And tied with that one was racism slash race relations, with 9% of Americans saying that is the biggest problem. Of course, the media keeps racial issues, real and imaginary, at the forefront of news coverage while the government indoctrination centers teach kids to be on the lookout for so-called microaggressions. Keeping us divided based on race isn't the government's interest for the same reason that keeping the pro-wrestling show of electoral politics going is. They need us distracted and fighting each other. 6% of Americans said lack of respect for each other is the biggest problem. And again, that's all related to the media doing its job of keeping Americans divided into tribal camps and then at war with one another. 4% of Americans somehow think ethics, morality, family, and religious decline are the biggest problems we have. I personally suspect that being very old is the biggest problem most of those respondents actually have. Tied at 4% were those who said economy in general is the biggest problem, and 
obviously all of our biggest financial problem is the fact that governments steal so much from us each year in taxes, while its regulations and corporate taxes make it hard for anyone to do anything profitably. 3% of Americans somehow think unemployment and jobs are the biggest problem we have when the economy is actually finally starting to get going. But then, it was only ever crippled in the first place by government's own actions. So... Tied at 3% were those who believe education is the biggest problem we have. Now, if they answered that way because, quote, education in the United States is just indoctrination, they'd be correct. I'm guessing, though, that the people who answered that way are burnouts who want me to pay for their master's degree in art history. So in reality, the Gallup poll didn't really measure what it set out to measure. It, as I said, really just shows how well the government's propaganda is working on the peasants. And it's working very well. We can see it right there in the numbers, right there in black and white, where 100% of Americans identified their own government's existence as the biggest problem in the country. Well, I mean, they just did so totally and completely unwittingly when they pointed out whichever of their favorite individual problem their government created as being the biggest one facing the nation. At least, that's how it looks to my jaded and jaundiced eye after I thought it all through without regard for the prevailing taboos and superstitions. And as Mr. Mencken pointed out a century ago, that sort of behavior makes a man the most dangerous sort there is to his government. Well, that's it for today. Please have a look at the website, www.thenewmercury.com, where you can find all my previous podcast episodes that I won't pay SoundCloud to host for me because I'm already paying someone else for the server space. And you can follow this on iTunes as well. You'll also find hundreds of thousands of words worth of blog entries and all sorts of goofy memes stashed on the buffoonery page. And you can also like and follow us on Facebook. Until next time, dear listeners, be dangerous.